0: I'm trying to find light at the end of what's going to be a tough tunnel here over the next couple of moments. We're tackling some tough stuff tonight. Obviously, Hour 1, we focused on QP getting ready to strike. Uh, We're seeing if, you know, maybe some late-night mediation might not help, but both these sides seem to at least publicly uh, be pretty firmly planted in the dirt right now. It doesn't look like they're going to budge one way or the other. But what's happening behind closed doors could be something completely different. Um, your calls coming up on the other side of this upcoming segment. I have left two consecutive segments for your calls, your texts, your emails, however you want to get down with this show. Um, I hate this kind of stuff man as a father too, this just drives me absolutely to uh, up the wall to no end I don't even like doing stories like this but we have to because we need to put a voice on this and we need to share um, a rather jarring story that has just come to the surface right now Peter Hamer is the founder of the stop educator child exploitation um, tip of the iceberg. As a report comes out, finding 252 school personnel accused of sexual offenses. Peter, good evening. Good evening, Rob. Thanks for having me. Well, you know what? I wish I was uh, bringing you on with better circumstances, but this is one of those reports that you just sit back and you're like, this can't possibly be happening. Let's uh, let's break this down in its simplest form. What does this report uh, bring to the table today?
1: So this report brings... What we've always known into the public realm, which is really, really important. You know, 252 people within the education system have been accused, but that turns into 548 uh, alleged victims. And and let's be clear, that's underreported because there's no transparency. This is research that the Canadian Center for Child Protection has done. But, but it's difficult research and it's only the information that's available within the public realm. So it's significantly underreported. It's three times the amount of their previous report. So this is, this is a huge call to action.
0: Well, we're talking about committed offenses of a sexual nature, but another 38 personnel in this report criminally charged for child pornography-related offenses uh, over the same time frame, which is 2017 to 2021. I don't know if I'm caught off guard or if I'm angry, but I, I would assume that a lot of parents listening tonight are going to feel a wide range of emotions.
1: Yeah, I hope anger is part of it, uh, to be honest with you, because, you know, often we, we shy away from these numbers and we look at them and we say... Oh, that can't be right, but it, but it is right. Uh, I mean, it's accurate. Sorry, and uh, you know, the time to have a conversation has passed. Now is the time for action. And I understand that starts with having a conversation, but we need to actually do something about this.
0: So, seventy percent, actually seventy one, if we're splitting hairs here, of the victims were girls. Twenty nine percent boys were, of course, gender could be identified. This is um, something that I think we have to make sure that we understand. One in three involves physical contact, but there's a, a lot of different ways that you could assault a child.
1: Yeah, there is. And, and and I don't want to focus on, I mean, it's important, the physical contact part, but, you know, sexual offense and and, and sexual luring is not just physical contact. That, that tends to be, you know, the second or third or the fourth step, right? You know, the the sexual... Uh, conversation that happens between, you know, somebody in the education system and, and, uh, and, and a student or a victim is, is also considered sexual abuse, right? It's, it's that, you know, um, the piece of, you know, hey, come and talk to me, give me a hug. It's, it's all of those grooming techniques that predators use that end up leading to something that's you know within the criminal code realm which is with the highest the bar is too high for that
0: you know i don't know if it was a blessing or a curse that i grew up in an age where there was no social media but i mean i have a daughter who's 18 a son who was 20 and i mean snapchat facebook instagram has been a part of their life for the better part of gosh their at least their teenage years this is also a platform for victimization no
1: yeah, it's a huge platform. And, uh, and, you know, my kids are around the same age, so I completely understand where you're coming from. You, mm-hmm. the, the accessibility that predators have with their victims has increased significantly with things like Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. Maybe I'm aging myself with Facebook. Um, but, it, but it allows them unfettered access to victims, and, and that access isn't monitored in any way because, you know, the school systems don't have that that ability.
0: So we've brought the the problem to the forefront. What can we do to at least begin the process of a solution? Because, again, very hard to police unless these children are willing to come forward with these experiences. As As you said, I'm sure the number is far, far bigger. But what can we do to at least give children a voice?
1: Right now, there's no easy place for children to go to right so it's it's the school system where they may not feel comfortable it's the, the police where they might not respond because it's not criminal so independent organizations or, or an independent organization that is safe and free from schools unions uh, political influence is a key component of this if if there had been that organization when I was a kid back in the 80s, it would have been a much easier process for me. I would have felt much more comfortable than going to the school principal.
0: Do you feel that kids right now have a tougher time than ever going to their parents and bringing this up? I mean, don't get me wrong, if you come from a loving family, that should be an easy conversation amidst, and I say easy in quotation marks, but Do you find in this day and age where everybody's burying in their phones or maybe are a little more distant than they've been because their mom's maybe working two jobs to make ends meet, do you find that there's a a bit more of a disconnect that it's harder to bring this up in the household?
1: No. No, actually, I think it hasn't changed, you know, from the 60s, 70s to 80s and on. This is Mm -hmm. a difficult conversation. If you're a victim... It's really hard to have that conversation, whether it is with your parents or whether it is with the school or or a third party it's hard there's the humiliation there's the feeling that you were a part of that you know the, the grooming techniques the predators use make it really difficult for people to come forward so yes, I agree that you know people are buried in their phones and maybe there's less of a conversation um, but but it it is. It's the process of of predators creating the relationship with victims that make it much more difficult to come forward.
0: Interesting stuff. Again, I very much appreciate your time on such a delicate subject. And uh, Peter, please um, keep us informed. And uh, I I hope we could post this interview so that people can get some more information. I appreciate your time tonight.
1: Thank you, Rob, for your interest. I appreciate uh, I appreciate the conversation.
0: Thank you very much, Peter Hamer founder of Stop Educator Child Exploitation. I am Rob Fay. This is On Point.